Alright, clockwise and the color wheel. I've been uh, thinking a lot about uh, uh, the notion of uh, uh, the color wheel uh, as a tool for artists and the clock as a tool for telling time, both advancing forward from a fixed point, in st- a stationary point on its representational face, uh, advancing forward in a, in a fixed direction uh, to the right from the le- from the number 12 and to the right from the color yellow. Uh, without looking at a color wheel, which, which would be difficult for somebody who is visually paired, and without understanding color, I, trying to wrap my head around how, how to conceptualize such a thing. Because I believe that of the autistic tools that have been the, the, put in place over the, the many years, there's, a, there's, you know, perspective drawing and, and color theory are the ones that really, uh, I think, sort of advance this, the, the learning process. Before, I think you'd have to futz around with a lot of things to even come to some of these conclusions. And you're already going to be doing that in your autistic career. So it's, it's interesting that you can, you can get a shortcut. And that's an interesting thing about the 21st century, too. A lot of very young people got shortcuts that people not that older than, not that much older than them didn't have. And what is that going to mean? And how's that going to... I'm telling you right now, it don't feel too great. But we all learn in our own way. All right. Before I get sidetracked too much, the color wheel as a, as a tool for advancing color. Let me just talk high concept of what the color wheel does, because you see it a lot. I, re, I remember in uh, high school they made us go out and get this thing. They buy this uh, color wheel. It's the one you'll see everywhere. It's it's the one that has, te- has stood the test of time. Instead of actually painting one, which would have been a useful exercise, now they had us go out and buy one. Just go buy one. How about no? How about paint it? I'm suggesting that. For those of you who are visually impaired, forget about all this. Stick with the clock face. But bear with me for a moment here. Uh, you had to buy this thing. It's a, it's like a, uh, I don't know, like an old-timey Cracker Jack prize with, with like a decoder ring. That's what this thing is like. A giant cardboard decoder ring. Or like one of those uh, BS things you had to make in elementary school with one of those uh, uh, brass brass bendy push things in the middle of it. Anybody following this? No. It's a cardboard circle with a a little window in the back. And uh, and, and, and colors advance from yellow around. Now some, the, the problem, and it, it's a useful tool, it maps out all of the, the particulars of the color wheel and all that, but not as useful as painting one yourself, which would have been, you know, the concept's solid, but the cardboard thing is not. Okay, forget that. What was my point? We had to go out and get this cardboard thing, and that was my exposure to the color wheel. And it was not until I started painting properly, and until I started using uh, paint, that I actually understood these concepts. And some of them are not even all that useful. What's more useful is being able to visualize the color wheel 
and the the way color advances, which is actually more important than the fact that it's arranged in a wheel. It's just interesting that it's arranged in a wheel because it it shows you how how you can think about color and value. And I think that's where I'm arriving at now in my friggin' 40s, understanding that and finding ways to visualize that and internalize that instead of uh, pulling out my piece of cardboard, my cardboard circle and, and, and you know, that sort of thing. All right. So as I've said, color wheels come in a variety of, uh, of stock types. This cardboard one is the most stock of the stock, but you'll see other ones if you, if you do a search online. And some of them will start with red at the top. I am rejecting that as a, as a way of working with this. Uh, the problem with red at the top is it screws up the values and it doesn't follow the format of the clock face. And if you're trying to think of a visual, if you're unfamiliar with the color wheel and you're trying to think of a visual that you are familiar with, everybody's seen a clock face. And even if you don't know how to read time, it's okay. No shame for you. I mean, but you're going to, if you go to a town square somewhere or whatever, you're going to see a clock face. They're everywhere. For now. For now. All right. So it's good to you to, 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 to visualize using something where, that's very familiar uh, to concretize something that is not familiar. How about that? That's my idea here. Okay. So visualizing the color wheel. Here's what you need to know. You start with yellow, and you start with yellow for two reasons. Number one, because it fits my analogy here of the, uh, the high noon, the 12 o'clock position on a clock face is the brightest of the colors, and also the lightest in value of the colors. And that is true of yellow. Of pure yellow, it is the brightest of the colors. It is the most, it is also the lightest in value. And I will go into the difference between hue and value after I finally get through this freaking thing. <clears throat> All right. At the bottom, in the six o'clock position on a clock face, is violet. A violet, as you may otherwise know it, is purple. But violet is more specific than purple because purple is very broad and violet is not. Uh, violet is a is the darkest of the colors in the, in the spectrum, the darkest value of the colors in the spectrum, and that's also important. So, this is where my analogy of the clock face fails a little bit, falls a little bit flat on its face, because six o'clock isn't really the darkest of the portion of the day, or the coolest, but neither is violet. Uh, so you have to imagine a day, stick with me here, imagine a day where uh, high noon, between high noon and 6 o'clock is a full 24, you, you only get 12 hours in a day, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. In a 12 hour day, 6 o'clock would be pretty dark, we're talking midnight, right? If 12 o'clock is high noon and 6 o'clock is halfway through that, that's, that's its polar opposite, right? polar opposite. So a 12-hour day. It's important for conceptualizing this little, this little nugget here. 
if six o'clock is midnight, right, the darkest portion of the day, the darkest in value, uh, those are opposites, right? You have the brightest in the darkest, or the lightest in the darkest. Those are the two fixed points I want you to remember on a clock face. And those are the two fixed points I want you to remember on a color wheel. So should you ever get confused visualizing this without without any reference materials, uh, go back to that. It's a 12-hour day. We got high noon at the top, and we got darkest night at the bottom. 12 and 6. If you can remember that, and if you can come back to that as a fixed stationary a couple of fixed points. I think this whole thing's going to work out. So that's, that's one thing. That's one thing to think about. Uh, the other thing to remember is. Okay. So like on a clock face. You have your uh, your, your vertical. Your, your most vertical points on the clock face. So if it's a line. If we're, we're mapping it out on a Cartesian coordinates. It's a, it's a straight up and down line. That's a Y. That's the Y. Uh, uh, the, the Y, the l- line of it. Why am I blanking on this? The Y and the X, the, the Y, the W H Y. Who's the? Who knows? We're still working on that. But the Y, you know, the, the alphabetical, uh, is straight up and down on Cartesian coordinate system. There, uh, uh, you know. So we got two points on that on that Y line that goes uh, vertical. The horizontal. The ones that intersect the Y, oh, axis, sorry, the Y, the X axis, those two points on a clock face, you know them, you love them, they are three and nine, and I'm moving to the, sorry, I was going left, or nine and three, if you're reading left to right, as we do, as we often do, uh, so nine and three. Now, what do we know about 9 and 3 and 3 and 9? Well, those are the two other points on a clock face that if they're going to strip the clock down and not give you any numbers, those are the other two you get. You get you get 12 and 6. Sometimes you just get 12. That's the most annoying clock of all. Uh, but but in it, in it. In a more reductive, less reductive, but still reductive uh, uh, clock face, uh, you get, you also get three and nine. And they're straight off across from each other as well. And what do you need to know about three and nine? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Don't pay attention to them. They are also famous points and famous colors. uh, But they are not the most important for establishing a color wheel. Uh, the most important thing for establishing a color wheel is uh, is your yellow. I want you to just remember yellow. That's the 12 o'clock position. Just remember yellow. All right, so where does that leave us? Uh, the problem with the clock analogy in terms of the, uh, uh, the color wheel is that uh, the clock... It has those those uh, four important points that mark the centers of the, the the four quarters of the clock, right? There's the twelve, this the the this, the three, sorry, twelve, three, six, and nine. Those 
but the two, the only point that actually matters in terms of the color wheel that you need to remember there are or, or the 12 and the 6. How, why, and what the blah? How do I get into this? All right, here's why. Let's talk, diverge for a second, and talk about hue and the value and why it's important in terms of the 12 and the 6 on the clock face in the color wheel. All right, let me, please, please let me remember that connection. Jiminy. Uh, okay, so hue is, let's start with value. It's easier. Value is something's lightness or darkness. And value is something that you need to think about in terms of black and white. It's the only thing here that is black and white. I'll tell you that. Uh, That's what's important. Value is about something's whiteness or blackness. I'm going to just use that instead so you can picture that. And black, if it are visually impaired, that would be, you know, your whole world there. And white, I don't know. How do you conceive of white? Oh, that was tough. That was tough. Because it, all right, I pictured a high noon, right? The thing I said earlier, the emotional, uh, uh, the heat and the, the warmth and all that stuff that I said would be representational of yellow. Uh, picture that without all of the emotion behind it. Just the, the pure, uh, without any feeling. Uh, something, I don't know. It, that's what it is. It's heat without the heat. It's, it's warmth without the warmth. Uh, uh, I don't know. Purity. A, a feeling of, uh, Mm, nothingness. Now, a lot of people think of nothingness in terms of black. I think we should think of nothingness in terms of white. And here's why. Uh, if you would... Black is, is filled. Black is loaded. Black is filled with uh, content. It's just you can't see it. It ain't nothing. Right? It's it, The problem is... It's a lot of things that you have no concept of. But it ain't nothing. It's never been nothing. The black is, is all things at once, but your you, your your inability to comprehend them. White, on the other hand, that's nothingness. There ain't there ain't nothing there. I have nothing to grasp here. I can't say I can't say fear. I can't say uh, 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 uncertainty. I can't use any of those words for white. Now people are always saying purity and white birds and. And uh, ivory soap and and, and, and and cream and all of those things are also white in color, but they're not nothing. When you think of, of when you're thinking of high concepts of value like white and black, we're talking about pure nothingness, and then black being uh, uh, I don't know the the void. Ah, it's hard. Okay, well, value is something on a scale. Between white and black, all of the steps in between, that's value. So we're talking about gray. All of the gray areas in life are, are, are issues of value. And it's it's nice if it's easy to put those on a scale. 
where wherein white is uh, is at the front and black is at the end, and that's a straight line because there is an ending, unfortunately, to value. Value doesn't come around again like in a in the color wheel, or can it? And that's where I get interested. Usually, when you see a value scale, it goes from purest white, which is basically the paper, right, to purest black, which is you know, some sort of saturated ink or pencil or pen or some paint or something that they've uh, put on in great quantities onto the paper until it's covered with... with, with. But, that, but that's never... It's never nothing. It's always a combination of lots of things. And that's why paint, I think, is interesting. Uh, and, and, well, art-making tools that are, that are additive are interesting. Because we're basically uh, uh, using all of them at once with a black. We're, we're, we're uh, rubbing our hands deeply into the paper. We're taking the charcoal and, and, and angrily scrawling. Well, you don't have to do it angrily, but forcefully scrawling until, until you have saturated the surface with as much as possible. That is black. So that is far from nothing. Wherein as white is just the uh, the, the, the paper uh, the, 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 and, and, and you know that's we didn't even touch that. So usually in an art class, if they have you do a value exercise, you take your uh, I don't know they made you buy a set of eight pencils or something, which is a waste of time. Or they make you buy a couple paints and then you do this and that, and then you start with paper and you you try to make the most watered down uh, version or the most uh, a light pencil with the most lightest mark making and uh you you move from a uh, i don't know a five percent this is all now now graphic design and graphic design terms digital imaging terms we're talking about ink saturations or uh or or, or it's still it's still uh, uh vague because you, you sometimes it works on screen as well but we're talking about purest white, purest black, and then there were percentages of black in between. They're, they're really, you don't think of it in terms of percentages of white, you think of it in terms of percentages of black because it's, it's, it's an additive concept. So we're talking, if you're moving in, in percents of 10, you go 10% black would be, you know, a very light gray, 20% black, slightly darker than that, but still very light gray, all the way up to 50% is a very middle gray, right? Uh, and then, you know, 80% is almost black, 90%, very close to black, and you can only really see the difference when it's right next to black. And then 100% black is the blackest of the black. So these are values. And hue, in contrast, to compare and contrast the two of them, hue... We don't think of it this way, but hue, okay, hue is a, is a, a thing's color, uh, uh, is there a better way to put it than that? A thing's color, and let's, let's talk about the, uh, the pop stars of the hue, the, the ones that everybody knows, right? The, uh, uh I don't know, the, the, the celebrity hues, uh, there's yellow, there is green, there is blue, uh, right? There is purple, everybody knows these. Uh, there is red, uh, and there is, uh, what am I blanking? There is orange, 
Okay. Everybody knows those colors. You get a very small box of crayons, you're going to get those. Those are the popular ones here. Uh, I don't know. In So those colors, and if you've never mixed color before, you would, you would not necessarily notice this. But those colors are all related to each other. They're part of a relationship. They're not just independent units. And when you're mixing those colors, uh, some of them you can mix using some of the others. That's where this. That's where things get interesting. Uh, of those celebrity colors, only three of them are what we consider primary hues. And primary hues uh, are uh, those colors that cannot be mixed using other colors. That's the most simple way to put it, I think. Colors that can't be mixed using other colors. Those are primary hues, and there are only three of them in an additive uh, uh, thing here. And they are yellow, blue, and red. Now, from yellow, blue, and red, uh, you get green, orange, and purple. The other three celebrity colors. It's important to know that. Now, what does any of this have to do with the color wheel in the clockwise face? I'll tell you. Because yellow is one of those primary colors that he's mentioned, right? Important to remember that. And yellow is a really important color, right? And it, it also, just so happens, the yellow is also the lightest in value of the primary colors. In its purest scent, in its purest form, yellow is the lightest in value. I put it at about a 10-15% black. So, you can do this digitally, but for those of you who don't do that or, or, uh, or are visually impaired, remember I see yellow is emotionally bright, uh, emotionally positive, and white, a void. If you were to all of a sudden not be able to see color and only be able to see things in grays, no color, no hue. You lose the ability to see a spectrum of hue. You would still see value. Value is is really how mo- mostly all vision works on value. For the most part, if you you can be colorblind, completely colorblind, and still be able to make out shapes, forms, uh, and depth. So value actually is the most important part of the drawing process in terms of realism anyway. And it's definitely the most important part of the painting process. Uh, because there's a lot going on with the painting. And if the values don't hold together, it, this thing can fall apart. We're talking about representational painting, of course. But there are other kinds of painting where it's the same, the same holds true. Because if you squint your eyes, a lot of the hues disappear. But values... Uh, they're pretty, they're pretty, the, the highest highs and the lowest lows, the, the whitest and the darkest areas of, uh, of anything in life, they, they're, uh, they are uh, quite uh, prominent in your eye, so you don't lose that when you squint either, which is interesting. Okay, so anyway, yellow is the highest value as well. Which is, which is very interesting. And it just so happens, violet, which is purple, 
is the darkest value of all the colors. Now, purple violet is not a primary color, but it just so happens that it is the darkest value of all those colors. Now, isn't that interesting? What does that mean? Well, it means uh, that you can put, in terms of value, you can put a spectrum together, right, with uh, yellow on top at the highest high and violet on the bottom at the lowest low. And if you put that on a wheel, guess what you get? You get your lightest value color at the top, and it just so happens that's yellow. And you get your darkest value color at the bottom, and it just so happens that's violet. You put them at the 12 and the 6 position on the clock face. And you have from, from top to bottom, in a circle, you have a complete uh, a transition from lightest to darkest value using one-sided a clock face, one-sided a color wheel. I have found that to be a very interesting discovery. I have found that to be a very useful discovery. Because in terms of conceptualizing something, if you're moving clockwise, and remember our day, our clock day in this concept, is it's only six hours, right? It's only one half of the clock. If you move around one half of the clock clockwise, you go from white, well, about a 10% black to about an 80 and 90% black. And that's extremely useful. It's absolutely crucial to understand that. That means you don't get stuck with a, you can use, basically, you don't get stuck with a system that only works for itself, that only works for you. You also get a system that works for value. And it helps you to conceptualize hue and value at the exact same time, together as a unit, because they are related to each other. Uh, and in breaking this down, I think I, I want to uh, uh, really dive into how the colors uh, are made from the three primaries. And, and the clock, unfortunately, the parts of the clock that are important for telling time, uh, when you break down your essential clock, the... Uh, the 12 is really important and that's great. It works out great. But the 3 and the, and the 9 in, the, in this particular system don't work too well. So I want you to forget about the 3 and the 9. They don't matter too much. The 3 and the 9 are uh, not important for this particular process. Okay? So don't, don't get fixated on the idea of a clock as a... Uh, as a, as a Cartesian coordinate grid, like I said before. That, that was a dumb thing to say. But, 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 do remember 6 and do remember 12. Those are key points on a color wheel, a clockwise uh, concept. Sheesh. Uh, There's a lot to this. And, uh, you know, it requires uh, some thinking and some talking. Not that anybody would ever be patient enough to sit through this nonsense. I'm not even sure I can do it. All right. That is his landed Angela.